Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Awesome. All right. Man, I tell you, oh man, I could, I could sit in those moments forever. Um, it matters. It matters. Man, I, you know, this is just, man, you're getting a dose of who we are here today. So uh, if you're new today, Man, this is, you're getting a, you're getting a, this is who we are. You know, what matters most in our lives is Jesus, you know, and anytime Jesus wants to move in our hearts and lives, we're going to let him. Uh, it's just the way it rolls. It's the way we are, you know, and so you're getting a, a good, a good taste of that today. Uh, I'm going to try my hardest uh, because I do believe in the preaching of the word and I believe that the word has incredible power in our lives, and so we're going to spend some time looking at the Word, but I want everyone to look at their clocks, and I want you to look at your clock and notice that, what time is it now, 11.14, is that what it says? Is that what your phone says, 11.14, you got to watch? Um, so I'm going to try really hard, so let's just have some grace today, we'll work together, okay, and let's let's do this. Uh, we are going through the Beatitudes. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Again, to understand context of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's so important to realize that this portion of Scripture is, is, is very meaningful to us today. So for those of you who've been in church for a long time and understand some of the history and you understand words when I say Old Covenant, New Covenant, um, and basically, for those of you who don't understand those two terms, it's just it, those two terms define how we relate to God, okay? There's a, there was an old uh, covenant, which this is how you relate to God in the old way. Then the new covenant, Jesus, uh, when Jesus came, uh, lived, died on the cross, rose again. Uh, Easter coming up, let's go. Um, but that's the new, he, he created a new covenant, which again, opened a new way for us. So the covenant language is really how we communicate, how we have a relationship with God. So in the Old Covenant, there was the Law of Moses. And the Law of Moses really kind of articulated so much of how they interacted with God. Uh, it is my opinion and the opinion of people much smarter than me that the Sermon on the Mount is to the New Covenant what the Law of Moses is to the Old Covenant. The Sermon on the Mount has incredible depth. This is a, this is a long teaching of Jesus, and he is creating framework for what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth. You know, John the Baptist, prepare your prepare the way for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus showed up, the kingdom of God showed up. And what I'm here to tell you today as we look at this, our, an understanding of the kingdom of God is paramount for his people. Uh, and so I'll, I won't get ahead of myself. So, so here we go. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read this. Um, we are going to start in verse 10. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. This is this, the, the last beatitude. Um, those I've heard many of you guys say, man, it feels like one continual sermon. Um, and there's a reason for that. And so we'll talk about that next week as we kind of wrap up the Beatitudes next week. But it is. There's a progression to the Beatitudes. So as many of you guys have kind of caught that through these series, there is. There's a, there's a real and intentional progression to this. But let's go Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 10 says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. 
for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. I'm telling you, man, the Bible talks a lot about persecution and pain, suffering. And what sometimes as a human being, what sometimes, I won't use the word frustrates me, but kind of go makes me go, is so often when it talks about uh, pain and persecution, it ties with it a very unhuman word, and that is joy or rejoice or happiness. And listen, I sometimes think, come on, there is nothing about pain and persecution that equals joy and happiness. Those are not the same, right? But how many times in Scripture does the Bible say, oh, well, let's look at it, right? In James Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Come on, Daryl, you can say amen, but we're not feeling it. Uh, for, for you know when your faith, that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, and when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete needing nothing. Oh, yes, no, I'm confused. Right? I mean, it's just, how about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 16? It says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, and it goes on, you must not murder. Uh, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Uh, but it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. We're going to look at that a little bit later because I think it's important. Let me read that to you again to capture it. He says, hey, when you suffer, it's good. Then he goes, however, if you are suffering, let me just set something straight. Um, if you're suffering because of murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into other people's affairs, well, listen, that's on you, <laughs> right? That's kind of, you get that, right? That's, that's on you. But there's no shame in suffering for being a Christian. You know? So I, I love that he kind of qualifies that. For those of us who are like, oh, the persecution. And you're like, yeah, but you're a moron. <laughs> right? So quit being a moron and you'll have less persecution. Right? There's, there's, there's some of those. Not, nobody here, but, you know, um, there are people, you know, family members for sure, um, you know, that, yeah, I'm done. Yes, thanks, Jacqueline. Uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. I love that one. It's a great one to memorize uh, for you today. Um, but I'm going to give you another memory verse here in a little bit. But I think when we talk about persecution and, and suffering, we look at Matthew, blessed are the people, right? Blessed are the people who are persecuted for doing what's right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The kingdom of God is theirs. Again, this is such an important 
understanding. But I think what we have to do is, again, identify what is persecution. Like, what is persecution? And walking through this understanding, you know, because we don't, while, you know, we don't live in a place where, just being honest, we don't have the same persecution that, like, Paul faced in, in Philippi, right, when he was thrown in jail, Right, like I, I don't, I don't run the not here in America at least. I don't, I'm not in fear that that somebody is waiting outside the doors of this church. That if I keep preaching that gospel, doggone it, he's going to jail. Like I don't have to worry about that. In fact, I can go to, and we will in the summertime. We can stand at the flagpole at the police station and pray. Right. So, so when we look at, I mean, we're, we're not in America. We 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 have enjoyed. Uh, religious liberties at, at a, in an incredible, incredibly just, just great way. Right? We have a significant amount of Christian liberty here in America. So persecution is different for us than those that live in different types of um, countries. And some of our missionaries that, that we can't even tell you that they're missionaries because they're serving in areas that if somebody found out, they would be really persecuted. We have Stories of missionaries who went through significant trials, way worse than we ever would. But here in America, here's what I think we have to understand. And I think this is why we're in this series. We're walking through some things in preparation for, because the reality of where we are today, we do live in a post-Christian secular society. For the first time in American history, you know, we'll say things like, you've heard me say, we live in a biblically illiterate society. True. What we say there is this is a post-Christian secular society. What I do anticipate outside of a revival that reestablishes God's presence in our country, what will most likely happen is a continual slide. And you can begin to feel it. You know, I'll just say it. You can begin to feel it in our world that everything is acceptable except Christianity. You know, you can feel it. Like you can say anything you want except Jesus. You say Jesus, now we got issue. So, so we are, society is morphing right in front of our eyes. You can see it. So persecution, which in the past would have been things like misunderstandings, maybe some criticism, maybe some rejection, maybe a little bit of opposition. I, I do anticipate, again, outside of a revival or a spiritual awakening in our country, uh, which God can absolutely do if he pleases, and he will if that's his will. Uh, but outside of that, I do anticipate, you know, maybe some tougher days ahead. So, in preparation for that, Matthew chapter 5. Come on, let's go. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You don't feel any better about it, do you? Let, let, let's walk through the whys of this one a little bit. I want to walk through this just a touch because it's important for us just to capture a little bit about what First Peter said, but then also... Um, you know, what, what Scripture says in other areas. But, but we will receive persecution from what Jesus calls the world. 
So in John chapter 15, verse 19, he says this, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Now let me, let me un- unpack that for you a little bit. Again, because we've lived in, in many ways a Christian culture, a Christian society that, that phrase has kind of been like, ah, it's hard to understand that because the world really doesn't hate me. They may not believe the same way I do, but, you know, it don't really, doesn't really hate me per se. Now, I do believe that's, again, beginning to shift a little bit. We may begin to feel a little bit more of that. Uh, but what's more important about that, beyond the hating or the persecution of that phrase, is what Jesus is talking about where we belong. And this is really the the thing that we have to understand here is that this world is not our home, right? That Jesus brought the kingdom of God with him and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world coexist at two times and we don't belong in this world, we belong in the kingdom of God. We So here's what it does to us though. It changes the things we value. And so what happens is when it changes the things we value and we no longer value the same thing that the world values, we value different things. What happens is they don't understand it, they don't get it, and therefore what happens is rejection or opposition. Why? Because they don't understand. Sometimes the world, but then also, don't, you know, don't misunderstand this, but persecution also comes not only from the world, but the, per, the persecution can also come from inside the church. It's the reason why we did a whole series on John 17 and why that is so important, why, the, why Jesus prayed for his followers, for his believers to be one as he and, he and the Father are one because unity matters. And biblical unity makes room for diversity, okay? Unity is not agreement, right? Unity is united on a common purpose, which is the gospel, which means we can have different styles and different preferences, but we still all love Jesus, and we can love one another in the midst of diversity, even though we have different styles, right? So that's a whole other series that I've preached before, and I'll probably preach it again. So, uh, you know, uh, but anyways, we've been down those roads before. But we also have persecution inside the church. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy. He refers to it over and over a couple times about persecution, about people in the church, and I will be honest with you, very, you know, disappointed, but most of the persecution that I have experienced personally has been from the church, from people who would call themselves Christians. Personally, that's what I've experienced more than anything. But when we go back and we look at these kind of things, I'm going to get into that in a minute because we're going to jump into the, the prayer, ponder, and, and, and picture things really, really quickly I'm trying to really make some time here, but but going back to this world and persecution and whether it's in the church or outside the church, there's a couple things that are constants, they're consistent in, in this realm of what well, we're going to use persecution the, the way Matthew, Jesus used it in the book of Matthew in the Beatitudes. Persecution, misunderstandings, criticism, rejection, opposition. There, there's something, there's there's some similarities here. And one of the things that we all understand is that people are afraid of things they don't understand. People are afraid of things they don't understand. Can I just be really honest with you today? It's as a, as a 
Assemblies of God Church is a Pentecostal church. It's one of the reasons why anytime anything happens inside a what we would call a gift of the Spirit, I spend a few minutes walking through it. You want to know why? It's because not everybody understands. And when you don't understand, you get nervous. When you don't understand, you're afraid of things you don't understand. You know, when you look at the world, the, the world is afraid sometimes of Christianity. Why? Because it doesn't understand it. Why? We don't value the same things. Right? Uh, you've heard me tell the stories of, you know, some of the decisions that Mandy and I have made in our life that are extremely countercultural that some people just can't figure out. They can't process it. They can't, they can't justify it in their heart. They can't. It doesn't make sense. Like, you know, the one I've told probably most often in this church is that Manny, when Manny and I decided to move home here, not because it was a decision, but because God called us to home, Sandusky, Ohio, man, the greatest place in the world. And we don't need USA Today to tell us, you know what I'm saying? Like, we knew that long ago, right? This place is the greatest place in the world. People tease me all the time because of the way I talk about this area, and I'm just like, if you don't know, you don't know. But don't judge me because I live in heaven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but when God called us home to Sandusky, or I called us back, that was a calling. But when you look at it through the lens of who we were, and I don't say this, um, you know, in a, in a bragging manner, it's just the reality is that Mandy and I were both directors of the national office. We traveled the world. At any given moment, I could have jumped on a plane and went anywhere in the world and not only could I have went there and, the, and, and somebody else would have paid my expenses, but they would have paid me to be there. And, and if you've ever traveled and speak before, um, it's, it's, like, it's like what you'd expect. From the moment you land to the moment you leave, you are fully taken care of. Like, it is really nice. <laughs> and I'm not lying. Like, like, I can tell you that, you know, things like, you know, the youth director of Jamaica calls us and wants us to come down and do a conference. Okay. You know, now we did not do that one. I didn't have time for that one. So I told him, no, go figure, right? But I mean, that's the, that was the world we lived in. You know, the fact just from, a, you know, and I don't say, I won't say it. Let's just say that all the decisions that we made to come home are countercultural. That in this world of climbing ladders and gaining influence and exposure, um, we, we went the wrong way. And people are like, well, that don't make no sense. Like the house we lived in in Missouri was way nicer than the house I live in in Sandusky. Where's Grammy at? She's not here right now. She's like, why can't we bring your house to Sandusky? But I don't care. I say that not because I'm bragging. I say it because we are, are, what we value is the call of God in our life. And I would not trade that for this anytime. But what I'm saying is when the world can't compute, they can't figure that out. Like, that don't make no sense. So, so when, when you don't value the same things that they value, they're afraid of things they don't understand, right? So, so here, here, here's what I'm saying to you is that people are afraid of things they don't understand. So, so my challenge, challenge for you today uh, in this world, as, as we talked last week, is everything we do is through the lens and the, the goal of reconciliation. 
here's my challenge for you understanding this world of persecution, and this is so important, is that I, I really want to challenge you to seek to understand, not be understood. Now, let me, let me walk through this a little bit. Because sometimes we, we call persecution as if I'm being persecuted for doing what's right, but really you're being persecuted because you weren't paying attention. It's kind of like what, what uh, First Peter was saying here. I'm sorry, Second Peter uh, was saying here. Um, like, hey, don't, don't, uh, oh, what's First Peter? I'm sorry, wrong spot. But it's not because of, you know, sometimes we make mistakes and face opposition as a result of those mistakes. Can I share something with you real quick? And again, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go online and watch last week's message. But last week we talked a lot about the goal of reconciliation, that our, our message, the, what God's doing in and through us is about reconciling this world to God. It's about a relationship with Jesus and everything we do is about helping people experience Jesus. Like that's what we're about. It's not about growing churches. It's not about gaining influence. It's about helping people find Jesus, period period, right? And so that's how we roll. That's how we roll. But, but in this, okay, so sometimes, uh, it, you know, here's a great study for you. I don't have time today. Uh, I wouldn't have had time anyways, but here's a great study for you. There, there's a moment in the scriptures where Jesus says, oh, now I add some emphasis to it. I watched The Chosen, no. Uh, but where Jesus goes, oh, there's so much more I want to tell you, but, but you're not ready for it yet. You know, uh, there's a time in, in uh, the book of Romans where Paul is talking about, yes, all things are permissible, but they're not beneficial. Not all things are beneficial. And in that, like, yeah, sure, you're allowed, and yes, you could do that for sure. Yes, I get it. But is it really beneficial for the message of reconciliation? And what he's really talking about there in that whole context of Scripture is he's talking about understanding your audience, who you're talking to the conversation you're having with people. And I do believe, you've heard me say this, I do believe that we are responsible for, the, for how we deliver those messages that God gives us. We are responsible to identify the audience and make sure that we do it in a way that leads to reconciliation, not to justification of my, of my stance. So in this understanding of seek to understand, not be understood, Right? So it's a shift in how we approach people. But I think sometimes we face persecution and opposition because we're speaking too soon. Because we're sharing things. Like if you look at the New Testament, most of the New Testament, right, are, are letters written to churches. Like the, the Pauline, the, you know, Paul's epistles are letters that he wrote to churches. So, so who's the audience for most of the New Testament? The church, Christians, right? But so often we take the message meant for Christians and we, and we throw it at unbelievers. And can I just tell you, it's probably too soon for them. It probably falls into the line of what Jesus said. There's so much more I want to tell you. But if I tell you, it'll probably crush you. It's too much. It's why Jesus, when he's asked why he spoke in parables, why do you speak in parables? Why don't you just say it? Just say it. He says, no, I'm speaking parables because those who are listening will get it, but those who aren't listening won't get it. What's he saying? Because those who aren't listening aren't ready for it yet. 
So I think you can speak in parables so that those who are listening, those who are paying attention will get it because there's an important message here. But those who aren't listening uh, and aren't ready for it yet, they'll get it later. So, so sometimes, I'm glad there's one person here who thinks that's good. I, I thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I need, it. I need that, more of that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, but the, seriously, what I'm saying here is sometimes we face opposition because we speak too soon. That the message for the world is the gospel. And once they embrace the gospel, well, now there's a message of sanctification. Right? So sometimes we have to be careful with how we relate to our audience. I told our membership class here this morning, I said, you know, there are some topics that I would never touch from this stage. And I'm sure there's some pastors out there that would call me weak because of it. Well, good for them. They can do it in their churches. Can I tell you why I won't touch some of those topics here in this? Because I don't have the time to articulate the depth of those conversations. And when you look in this world, because we live in a post-Christian secular society, the, the, the range of belief is so wide. It would take me a significant amount of time to walk us through the depth of scripture that speaks to a stance. Now, some of you guys know, on Wednesday night, let's go. I'll get after it. We've, when I went through the kingdom of God class, I said some things I know people went home feeling uneasy with. Good, right? Because we can handle it there because it's a safe place. It's a smaller group. We under, I understand it. I can say some things in that setting that I can't say here. Why? Because I'm aware of the audience. Everything I say here today is online and enshrined for eternity. We live in a world where people want to take sound bites and create opinions. I'm not giving somebody that, that power to misrepresent who we are here at faith. So if you want to know how I feel about something, let's go grab coffee. I'm not afraid to tell you. But there are some things I won't share here. But why is it? It's because of what I'm talking about here. Because I understand my audience. Right? I understand that my goal here is reconciliation about Jesus. And I'm not going to say something that's going to get in the way of somebody finding Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? Sometimes the opposition we face, all I'm saying is sometimes the opposition, the, the persecution that we feel like we get, we put in a box of, well, I'm just doing what's right. Right? So, boom. I'm joyful, joyful, joyful. Right? No. That's what First Peter was saying. Listen, some of that is just because you're not paying attention to the Spirit's direction in your life. Because the Spirit will tell you when, where, and how if you're listening. I'm not saying you can't share harsh messages. I'm just saying when you do it, let it be through the leading of the Holy Spirit and not through you seizing a moment. So if our approach is to seek to understand not to be understood, what that does, it changes our posture. 
And instead of being upward and forward and preparing our response before they finish talking. And so when they're done, you can say, yeah, but. Right? Instead of that, you're sitting back and you're listening and you're trying to understand where they're coming from. And you want to know why that's important? Because I believe the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom in that to help take them from where they're at to closer to Jesus. And that's the goal. Right? Okay. Okay. All right. A few more people are on my side. We're good. All right. We, we, got, we got to close soon. We got to close soon. Uh, so here's, here's, here's what I want you to say in, in this. Yes, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what's right. I, I want to share this with you too really, really quickly. I'm going to give you the, oh, I'm jumping around. For those of you who are new here, I'm sorry. I'm, I usually don't jump around this much, so I apologize. Here's a memory verse for you. I want you to memorize this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to, um, as, as Psalm 119.11 says, I want you to hide this verse in your heart. And at the right time, Romans 8.18 says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Oh, can you lock that into your spirit? Can you lock that into your spirit? That the suffering that we face for doing what is right, being led by the Holy Spirit in our life, allowing God to speak through us and, and, and when the suffering we, we experience as a result of that is nothing compared to the glory he's gonna reveal to us. And so can you lock that into your spirit? Here we go. Here's the, in this series, I've given you guys three things, what I want you to picture, what I want you to ponder, and what I want you to pray. Let's look at these real quick. What I want you to picture today is this, living in God with such depth that opposition, opposition and persecution Produce understanding, not pain. I need to unpack this one. So I'm going to have the worship team just come on up now so we're ready because I need to unpack this one. So we got to layer some things here, Mel. So help me out here. Understanding. You know, so often it's a counter all joy when trials come your way and consider an opportunity for joy and, and glad, you know. Okay, so let me, let me walk through this. I don't believe personally that, that when, you, when, you, when you face opposition, that it's one of those things like I'm doing a happy dance. Like, I've been waiting for this moment. Finally, finally I'm getting persecuted. Finally I've done enough good stuff for people to persecute me, so now I'm doing a happy dance, you know? Like, like I don't believe that's what joy, I don't believe that's what it means. So I'm gonna use the word understanding for this reason. So I've told you before that most of the persecution, opposition, in fact, I've had people lie about me, right? And so, most, and for me, most of that came from the church. People would call themselves Christians. When, when that happens, I don't go, yeah, people are lying about me, finally, Right? Why am I dancing so much today? What got into me? That's weird, isn't it? Um, I, but I am. Okay, so uh, I, I want to give you understanding because here's, here's the way I feel like emotionally this processes. Because immediately persecution, I think, brings an understanding. Walking with God, understanding God's kingdom at a level, at a depth of bringing understanding, which is, and I can be honest with you, even though I struggle, this is hard for me. 
This one's hard for me. My ponder question was hard for me. Because while I want to say I do this perfectly, I'm, I don't. I'm just human. So this, is, this one got me today. Or right, it's going to get me today. I'll say it that way. And that is that understanding and persecution is this. First of all, our first response to people lying about us, opposing us, rejecting us, persecuting us, our first response should fall in line with some of the other Beatitudes, which should be brokenness. If, if our heart's desire is reconciliation, then when people are persecuting, opposing, rejecting, lying about you, the first response of our heart should be pain for them. Not frustration, not anger, not disappointment, but I'm so sorry for you because you're in a spot that for some reason you're saying things that aren't true. And I don't know what got you, but I'm sorry that whatever that is got you. Are you tracking with me? That we should have compassion and empathy on, what's the scripture say about our enemies? <laughs> right? To love our enemies, pray for our enemies. Jesus, flipping the script. If they take your coat, give them your shirt too, like go the extra, like what? Stop that. I think we should have compassion on those that persecute us. So joy isn't like, yeah, God's using you to bless me, boom. That was a little Bron James thing right there. Did you catch that? I'm sorry. Getting a full dose of Tom Grove today, too. We should have compassion on those. And so understanding, a depth. So think about this picture. Living in God with such a depth that when opposition and per persecution come, it produces an understanding, not pain. So sometimes we walk in pain. No, not pain, but understanding. And the understanding is this. Oh, I don't know what's going on in your life that's causing you to do that. But I'm so sorry. Because something has you. And I hate that for you. And the joy is an understanding of God's kingdom to go, this is difficult, but God is better. The joy comes from Romans 8.18. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later on. It's the hope in that. It's to go, this is painful. It's okay. Notice he says, what we suffer now, he doesn't, he doesn't disregard that. They're suffering. And suffering is pain, which means it's hard. That when we suffer, oh, but it's nothing compared to the joy, the glory of God's presence. So when we go through things, it's not about happy dance. It's about this, this world is hurting, and I'm hurting with it. But God is good. So I want you to picture in this verse living with God, living in God with such a depth that when, when these things happen, you have an understanding of his kingdom that doesn't produce pain, 
but it produces hope, which leads to joy and blessing and an understanding. Here's what I want you to ponder. Here's my question for you today. If we can stand together. Here's what I want you to ponder today. And, and uh, this was hard for me. Is my understanding of the kingdom of God full enough to emotionally overcome persecution? Is my understanding of God's goodness, of his grace, of his presence, of his power, of his healing, of his glory, of his majesty, of his love, is my understanding of God's kingdom so full, so overwhelming, so impactful? Is my understanding of God's kingdom so full that it's, that it's more than anything this world can throw at me, that no matter what happens, my understanding of God's kingdom is full enough to overcome emotionally pain and persecution. Because I know emotions, well, when it goes down, you're like, let's go. Man, is your understanding of God's kingdom. Mm. Can I tell you we need more of God? We need more of God in our lives. We need more of God in our lives. So we're going to sing a song. And I want you to wrestle with that question. And I'll come up and close. I apologize. But we'll close here in a minute. But... um. We're going to worship. I want you to ponder this question. Is your understanding of the kingdom of God so big that it's, it's, it's so full, so overwhelming, so consuming that what Jesus said, we don't belong in this world anymore that I no longer operate in the kingdom of this world. I operate in the kingdom of God. And because of that, this no longer has a hold on me. This no longer has me emotionally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. This no longer has, this. I no longer belong. I live in God's kingdom. We need more of Jesus. Let me pray for you. If, uh, like we did earlier, if you just want to spend some time with God at the altars today because you need more of God in your life or because of any reason, uh, these altars are open for you to spend some time in prayer. We'll have some people come forward and if you just need to spend some time with God as they sing the song, let's spend some time with Jesus. Why? Because we need him. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. Lord, have your way. Speak to us today. Speak through us. And Lord, help us to see you and to know you. God, we love you and we need you. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find and follow Jesus in all you do.